I can't fake it. I really cannot fake it. So I think over the years, I've learned to trust my taste and my intuition (laughs) and whatever, you know, spiritual guidance I'm getting. Um, Because I, yeah, I I think there's like, there's a reason why this is all coming together. And I think before Mm -hmm. I, I, I may have not given myself the credit Welcome to 24-7 Artists. Uh, If you are listening for the first time, this podcast is for the person starting out in the industry who's trying to get some advice, some career advice, life advice. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Uh, Today's conversation is with one of my favorite people, um, not just in the industry, but in the world. Uh, Sarah Lorenzen is a A A&R. She's a manager. She's a team mom. She's kind of an all be it everything for us on multiple projects. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Do you want to tell us if, if you weren't speaking of me, someone that knows you, how would you introduce Sarah to the world? That's a good. Hey, hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't know how to introduce myself. I think A&R manager is kind of like the easiest way to go about it. Um, but I think a lot of what I do, who I am, is like yet to be established or is in progress or forever in progress. Not to like already start off super, super <laughs> like deep. You went straight there, straight there. I love it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I think that's how I'd introduce myself to a stranger. And then we'll see where the conversation went from there. And I probably give them a little more insight. But A&R manager sums it up. I love it. Okay. So a work in progress with for now an A&R manager. So now for the person listening, who's probably heard this word or this title a thousand times, um, and they have no idea what it is. And, and I'll preface with, I've heard multiple A&Rs at every level describe it different ways. So I don't even know if there's a standard anymore, but what is an A&R to Sarah? What, what is an A&R to you? Um, I think, I guess I'll define it in how I, normally interact with the role I think like traditionally it's you know someone who helps put the records together and like um signs artists scouts all of that and that still is true um but I think especially with music becoming so much more accessible um I was saying you know obviously you're you're a phenomenal mm-hmm. A&R you put me on to mm-hmm. Thames early on before Thames was a household name I didn't hear it or see it, but again, I've missed, I'm like, oh, for 30 with artists. Davina was like, yo, these guys called Amigos and next. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. And then like, now they're the biggest name ever. So, uh, but like, what was that process? <laughs> and like, like, how did you hear Thames? How did you find out about her? What was it like early on? What was that like? Um, I honestly think like to be, to be completely honest, I feel like I was even late to the party um, because I really, did my deep dive like post try me release um and I had heard her name bubbling for a minute and I think you know it was really like a word of mouth thing obviously I have a lot of friends and family that are on ground in Nigeria and um you know just like other Nigerians Africans in the industry I think I it really was like a word of mouth thing so it wasn't like you know I was in like a jazz bar and I saw her get up on stage or um anything like that but yeah I think that whole process was illuminating because it was like almost not I don't want to say an accident because it's not an accident at all but it was um very unexpected how it all came together because I never really set out to sign Thames it was more so just mm-hmm. um like okay this because I was an assistant like I I wasn't even an A&R at that point I'd never signed anyone before I never um really thought of myself seriously as someone who would A&R anything I just was like okay I like music I this is an interesting path to go on but at the time I was still like an executive assistant fully books phones scheduling all of that 
So it didn't even really cross my mind when um, the Thames conversation came together. And um, I was working alongside or one of my colleagues at the time, Tunji, who is also a Nigerian A&R, he um, was across that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like he was really my partner in talking about the things that excited us on the continent. So with the Thames conversation, um, naturally we aligned on that. And it was more so like, okay, like how can we kind of do this together? Cause I've never done this before. Um, but even in that, like I reached out to her manager, not even on a Sony tip, but more on a management tip um, in terms of Manny. Because Manny and her, Manny Wells, for those who do not know, I also <laughs> I also manage. Um, Manny and Thames were online, like talking back and forth about collaborating. So I reached out really as a manager to another manager um, saying like, hey, like, we see our artists want to collaborate, just wanted to kind of introduce myself and make sure that there's like a face to this email instead of like some arbitrary, like, yeah, whatever. Um, and on the other side of that email was who is now like truly one of my best friends. Um, but at the time I had, I didn't know at all is Wale Davies, um, who is one of Ten's managers. And so this is quite a, I've never really told this story in this form but um yeah like it all came together very very organically and I think that is like a consistent theme probably as I talk about the my career this to this point it has all been like very mystical (laughs) and how things like align um but yeah I reached out to Wale I was like hey artists are collaborating I'm Sarah blah 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 um and we just we got on a call and we started talking and he's an artist a musician as well mm-hmm. um he talked about what he was doing it was just like it ended up being like oh two friends catching up um and i think we were both shocked at like how well we got on um and he was hosting his first palm wine festival in london and thames was supposed to be on the bill so i remember at the time i was extremely f- frustrated with you know, being at the desk, because I'm such a creative person, and I do administrative things well. Um, I think that's kind of how I fell into management. But I was at that point where I was like, okay, I need an outlet, like I need a creative outlet, I need to be inspired again. And I kind of hit that wall a bit. Um, And I was working with a woman named Shireen, in the same kind of we were working together in that in that office um and she was like I was like okay there's this artist Thames and she's incredible and like really excited about her and I would love to like you know go see her perform blah 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 like she's doing this she's performing in London like doing the whole spiel um and she was like well why don't you just go to London and I was like what I was like she's like just go I'm like I can't afford it because you know this is like two days prior to the festival in London and I was definitely not an A&R to be like my, for my travel to be covered and, and all of that, I, I think. I mean, I didn't ask. Um, but I was like, I can't afford this ticket. It's too much. And she was like, well, I'll pay for one of them. And so that's how for I went to London for a weekend. <laughs> and funny enough, Tens didn't even get her visa to go to the UK. So I ended up just kicking it with Wale um and again it was like once we met in person it was just like so many things aligned um on like a friendship level and then just and like on a business level like it was just two people that I feel like should have and probably have in some way known (laughs) each other previously but it was just like all things kind of clicked um and it really it wasn't until a year after Mm -hmm. meeting Wale uh that Thames actually signed. Um, after that, I went back to Lagos that December and, you know, was just on ground and, and really just building a relationship. I think by then it was more so like, you know, I want to support, and maybe this isn't like <laughs> the most solely friendly thing to say, but like, I want to support the decision that serves you best. Because at that point it was 
a friendship. It was a relationship. Um, so it wasn't about like forcing a corporate pill down anyone's throat. It was like, oh no, this is like, I see the human in this process. This is not just like a product or a commodity. It is um, a person. And this person is like someone I'm very lucky to be calling a friend. So I think that kind of changed the whole dynamic. And it was really just a foundation of trust that got us to this point where we're working together um, in this capacity. But I think, you know, however that that relationship or that opportunity would have panned out would have been the best way it could have. Um, so that's kind of what I was focused on. It was not necessarily like, oh, okay, this is my this is my ticket to become an A and R. It was like, how can I help in in my position? Um, and however it pans out is cool with me. Um, and then yeah, and and luckily it ended up you know, working in Sodi's favor, and she joined the RCA family, um, as well as since 93 over in the UK, shout out Glenn. Um, and yeah, it, it has been quite the learning experience. Um, because like I mentioned, it was such, I mean, obviously now seeing how the world has responded to Thames, mm -hmm. it was not like a small thing. Um, and, you know, and Tunji and I talk of, or used to speak about it a lot is like, this is a crazy first. Um, and, you know, I thank God for the, you know, trust in me to like deliver on this opportunity. But uh, yeah, it, it's been You're definitely a I've quick learner. Every day and uh, since, the funny thing is, you because it's funny you telling a story and I remembering it. It's like, it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it, I guess it was a few years ago now. But like, I remember you being so excited that it didn't feel like work. Yeah. Like, I remember that London trip to you almost felt like not even a vacation. But it was like, yo, I'm getting the ability to like go mm -hmm. and do this. And like, they're paying half the, t like, I just remember you being so, and, and I remember feeling like, yo, this is going to work. I don't know what work looks like, but yeah. it's going to work for her just because, she's so excited about it. And usually when you're that excited about it, you work a little harder. You're willing to deal with a little more crap. You're willing to like put up with a little bit more um, mm -hmm. because the, the reward is like, yo, I can't believe I get to do this. And then obviously Thames blows up and, and you guys work on records. The Manny record happened and, and yeah. you said it was a crazy first, but then that sets the bar for you now, right? Because now the first artist you brought to the table in this A&R role is a global mm -hmm. phenomenon who's like one of the biggest artists in the world and, and I think one of the fastest trajectories I've seen come out of Africa ever. So like, does that put pressure on you in your role or are you more just like, if I don't find another Thames, I don't have to a &R another project? Or do you feel like, no, I have to find more, I have to do this again? I mean, I, fi I find that I don't really worry about that too much. I think, um, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> my job, my job's going to watch us and be like, who the hell do we have on payroll? Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, part of it is mm -hmm. you keeping ears to the ground for the sake of, you know, the responsibility that is my job um, and my role. And I, you know, take that into consideration. However, I am someone who like, I can't fake it. I really cannot fake it. So I think over the years, I've learned to trust my taste and my intuition <laughs> and whatever, you know, spiritual guidance I'm getting. Um, because I, yeah, I, I think there's like, there's a reason why this is all coming together. And I think before mm -hmm. I, I, I may have not given myself the credit of, you know, having good taste, having a good ear. I'd be like, yeah, I like good music, but like there's so many other people with like better taste or who know more. I remember a big thing for me was like, I didn't know all these producers and these writers. I learned what publishing is after I started at a label. Like, so I really didn't have all this background knowledge. I wasn't obsessed with knowing who put what record together. Like I didn't fan out about music in that way. I, the way I interacted with music and still do 
is very much so from an educational standpoint in terms of like if I want to learn more about a culture or a place or a community I go to the music and that's how I've always been and I didn't realize it really until very recently that that's how I interact it was like as a discovery tool for culture and for for just like understanding the world and having a broader perspective of the world in a grand scheme not necessarily like just yeah I'm trying to work with this producer because he produced that and that went platinum and I just I have no I still don't know <laughs> like I still don't know and I and I want to keep it that way because I think that colors the creative process it becomes less about the music and more about the accolades and I truly have no interest yeah, in it's, it's, it's being steered by accolades the next one because the next one the next one the next one what is that yeah. what does that even mean um exactly Exactly. So, I mean, in regards to the next artist, I think like I just gravitate towards people I'm really excited about and who are good people fundamentally first. Like I think, you know, at this point I've come into contact with a lot of artists and a lot of people that are talented and the people that I go to bat for are the people that I connect with on a level outside of music, just on a personal level. Um, So I think it's like, you know, it's, it is about the taste and it is about like the music that's being created. Cause I think there's an intangible um, language and relationship that music is able to communicate. So like, I will pay attention to the things that make my ears perk up and I'll pay attention to the things that I'm playing like 2000 times a day, not just because it's like a catchy hook, but because there's like, there's something I can't quite place. And I kind of dive into that. And if the person behind that song, behind that record ends up being a phenomenal human being as well, then it just makes it all the more worthwhile. But I think, thank God, I've been um, very drawn to and like surrounded by both people on the business side and on the creative side, the artist side um, that either share those ideals or are just like really sick people. (laughs) And I love working with them. So I think in signing you know, the next artist, it's, it's a combination of that. Um, obviously. No, acknowledging I, and that the funny thing is, I, I don't, I don't think you have anything to worry about watching this and freaking out because I, I think they know that that's the key to your success, right? Like I said, the, the job of the A&R is to be a middle person, a middle person that has right. to represent both sides interests. And that's such a rare thing, right? It's like, if I have a lawyer, my lawyer's got to be in my interest. They can't really care about the person on the other side of the table, even if that's my wife or business partner, or and it's usually somebody you know right. you're connected to, right? If if I have an agent, the agent has to represent me. They can't worry about the venue or the festival. It's it's me. Mm-hmm. But an A and R is a unique role in our industry where they have to represent the artist, but they right. are hired by the label. Right? You're paid by the label to represent the artist. And so a good A&R is one that's willing to go against the label to say, you may not see it, you may not understand it, but this is the person. And like you said, those intangibles beyond talent are going to be like, does this person, like, do we resonate? Do we, are we connected to the same things? Are we moved by the same things? And when you are, like you and Wale or like you right. and others in your your circle of, of artists and, and creatives, like I said, it makes the, the hard work easier because it's not yeah. easy what, what you do um and we'll speak to that next so obviously as an A&R finding talent making sure they're good you you kind of fill in the gaps and fill in the cracks for them and and make sure they're they're happy along the way especially with what the label's supposed to do then you're also a manager right so obviously we mentioned Manny Wells if I got a dollar for every time his name is mentioned on this podcast that alone would make me a millionaire um but Obviously, Manny is uh is is near and dear to our hearts at twenty four seven artists and in our family's hearts and and how we got together right how we connected was I was an in place manager for Manny I will put my hand up and say I'm the worst manager in the yep. world when it comes to artists not because I don't care but because I have too much shit going on and I think a great manager has to focus on that other person more than they focus on themselves mm. and and it was just like. I can't do that and run a business and run a family. Like I can't. So I was like, yo, we got to find someone to replace me like ASAP. And Manny was like, yeah, I've got this, this, this lady, Sarah. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know, Manny. Like I thought he, I thought it was someone he was just trying to holler at. Like, you know, so I was like, I don't know, Manny, like we'll see. (laughs) And, and the funny thing is we worked together and didn't meet for years. We weren't in the same physical room for years. 
we were just on calls and emails. But like, yeah. I remember like the first That's call, crazy. you just had your shit yeah. together. And I was like, yo, like she is legit. She's definitely much better than me. So I'm stepping down now officially to this whatever role we call it. Um, but now, like, so as an A&R, you, again, you're hired by the label, you work with the artist, and that's feels. Now as a manager where you're responsible for this person's success, like, it falls on you almost more than the artist in times. What's the difference in those two roles, mm-hmm. and, and which do you prefer? Two. <laughs> I... Man, I mean, I think management is just like there's always oh, you can. a fire. You can say whatever you want. Like always. And I, can I say that? <laughs> um, I think like that responsibility, if you are, you know, sensitive to that, is kind of what is like at the core of everything. It's like yes, you are the decisions you make, the phone calls you pick up, the emails you respond to, all of that affects someone's life so um, directly and so kind of a lot of times immediately. Um, And I think management is definitely more difficult or it's found, it's proven to be more difficult, I think. But I only say that because you know, as a developing artist, as an upcoming artist, you don't have necessarily the financial means to hire your dream team and build it out. So again, it's this like notion of wearing multiple hats. You are the manager, you're also the publicist, you're also the marketing person, you're also just like the confidant, the friend, like, so you have to be all of that at all times. Um, You have to essentially like move as an extension of this artist and like, so that the doors that you walk into not only serve you, but serve that artist. And I think um, from a, a developing standpoint, I think it's definitely more difficult because you have less to lean on. You have to kind of stand on your two feet and like, you know, hopefully people come along the way, obviously like our relationship and, you know, a few others that have invested into like the Manny Wells brand and, everything have have been there as a supporting force but i think you know in the day-to-day you're like oh shit okay (laughs) this is like this is my responsibility and this is something like very real and very serious and and something i really don't take for granted um i think the amount of trust that it takes uh to have a successful manager artist relationship is very special and I think it's something, it's a dynamic thing as well. So it's not like you get it figured out one day and, you know, you're good. It's, you know, real life happens. Like we're mentioning, like I have a whole other career as well simultaneously. So um, I think there, in this particular situation, there has been a lot of um, grace and understanding on both sides, I think, in how to navigate this because another first like I didn't manage uh, anyone else before Manny um so and that came together very like serendipitously as well and so there has to have there you have to have that room for people to grow otherwise it becomes um a bit suffocating in a way and especially when real life happens and so I think like the thing with A&R is like while I'll still say it's like very much so integrated into my everyday. So like, I think, you know, that, that distinction between work and life is, or work and personal is very hard to define sometimes, but, you know, I can kind of compartmentalize in a way because I know that this associate with a company and this is something I'm hired to do and da, 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 da. And like my day to day will interact with that, but um, I think with management, it is like not something you take off. It is like this, like when whether you when you wake up at six a.m. to answer all those emails, or when you sleep in and like miss out on three, like you're still wearing that management cloak regardless. So it's like these decisions impact your role, impacts the person, and I think everything yeah. becomes a lot more like shit. <laughs> Like, oh my God. Um, but it is absolutely a pr- privilege as well. I, I think being on the artist side, I and 
I feel like it kind of speaks to my previous story with Thames. I think I really enjoy being an advocate for artists, um, especially in a world where, you know, corporate business runs a lot of things and success is defined by these markers. And I, I feel to be on the creative side, to be on the artist side, to be an advocate and to try and find those avenues to reach the goals that they're defining for themselves, not necessarily the world is, or, you know, KPIs are, or whatever it is, um, that feels a lot more fulfilling to me. So it's kind of balanced. I can't say that I prefer one or the other. I know they both have their challenges. We've definitely been on chats. And one of the things I'll say is uh, I enjoy when the Sarah advocating for (laughs) artists email hits my, my email because I've, I've seen you talk to like the biggest companies in the world with like a, a confidence that <laughs> I'm like, damn, like she's like, she's going to bat for this dude. And, and the funny thing is like, I think the world looks at an artist situation at any level and, and sees this like big, amazing thing. But behind the scenes, it's literally like a bunch of people just scrambling, trying to like figure shit out. And, I can say that because like we've done stuff with like really big artists and really big brands yeah. and, and we've done yeah. stuff with artists who are just starting out with no songs and brands who have, you know, no sales and it never changes. So like, I love when I see you say, no, I, I see your offering right. is this much, but we really need this much. And almost every time the brands have come every like, all right, so like we'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's something I saw you kind of like get more comfortable with over time. So is that something you pick up? naturally are you like talking to the other managers in your life and yeah. circle like uh are you talking to tunji and learning from him and learning from wale and learning from others or is it a blend like how are you learning to become a manager because someone's listening to this and they're either managing someone or getting ready to manage someone or thinking about managing someone and they're right. where you were they're like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing like how do i so how do you learn to become a good manager or a great manager Um, I think one thing I probably should have done better is, you know, ask for advice from other people that are doing something similar. I think eventually I got there, but I, I, at first, I think it was still kind of like that moral obligation to, um, follow through. I think even like with many, um, when, when I said I was going to be his manager, it wasn't like, but it, there was no, but it was like, oh, okay this is it. And, you know, however my life has shape shifted since then, um, there's still like, I'm still there. That's a commitment that I followed through on. So I think like a lot of it is when you make that commitment, you figure it out. Like if you really care, you'll figure it out. And I think that again, boils down to relationship, not to be like, (laughs) just keep, you know, beating a dead horse. But I think when you really care about someone, same way, like if you're, little brother wants to, you know, get into the Olympics, you want to support his practices, you're going to show up, you're going to drive him to practice, you're going to, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know why that's the example I think of, but it's, it's that care and that devotion to someone and their craft. And I think that was really the driving force. It was, okay, I wanted to get into the music industry. I really didn't have any connections when I first started at all. I didn't know anyone in music. Um, And when I met Manny, it was just an interest. And it was, okay, this is a person. And that didn't come together for a few years. Like, we started working together years after we first met. Um, And I had absolutely no experience. But I had a great respect for this person. And his personality, his, his, uh, goals, the things that his principles, the things that kept him centered and also for his craft. So it was every bit, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And I think that's how I kind of moved through life because my life seems, and everyone's life is like a culmination Mm -hmm. of first at, at, you're doing something for the first time, a lot of times. (laughs) And I think, what I cannot stand is a bunch of people acting like they have it figured out. You actually don't. Even if you're a professional and you're an expert and you know, everyone is always <laughs> figuring it out. I'm, I am for sure still figuring it out. Um, 
so I think, yeah, with Manny, it was really mm -hmm. learning from just like kind of throwing myself in the deep end and just like faking until like mm -hmm. he would ask me a question. I'd be like, I have no idea, but I'm not going to say I have no idea. I'm going to research. I'm going to ask. I'm going to try and and figure it out. And then I'm going to come back and be like, OK, this is this is the answer. This is what I think could be the answer. I could be wrong, but like this is what, you know, this research has led me to. Um, and then eventually, I think once I became a bit more entrenched in like the industry, there was a lot more people that I could ask advice of. I think, you know, while it absolutely 100% is that person because he's <clears throat> similar to me, like we have a lot of creative interests. Um, he is a manager. He, he works. He does everything. That man does. <laughs> I don't know how he does it um Tunji as well even my friends like friends that um mm. my friend Kayla is actually the person who told me about mm, the okay. opening at RCA and she is in the marketing department so like our growth has been like um very parallel in within the company and Shireen the person that bought that London plane ticket like she was my saving grace <laughs> when shit hit the fan I had her back and she had my back. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think I've been really blessed. Brianna, there's so many people I could like name that have just really been Brianna Ayamang, who mm. um, I interned for at Rock Nation. That was my very first music internship. And she, I don't know how, I mean, we're friends now, but like, I just, I just don't know why she really bet on me, but she was someone who like always had me in mind, always like, helped me out, was happy to give me advice. Um, so I think, again, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by like really just great people. Um, and through their friendship, I've learned. Um, so not necessarily actively seeking answers to my problems, but just by proximity to people who are also guided by what I believe is the right thing. Um, kind of learn it's like an exchange and it doesn't necessarily have to be spoken it's just like oh i see you did this and i've seen your growth and i take tips from that and we might have a candid conversation and you know it, it's all very like it's like a constant exchange of information and support and yeah, no, yeah I, agree. I think that's I think, really uh, how i've been able to learn throughout people this whole process. always or will usually help people who are helping themselves and and from the first time I, I interacted with you, I just remember, like I said, you had your shit together, but you also mm. were like, you were about it. And I also respected that you would say on a call, I'm not sure, let me get back to you, which like is a great thing to hear from somebody who you, you know is, is not, you know, we always talk about the different types of managers. Like there's the go get the big manager, the, the industry manager who's like super plugged in, been in the game forever, and you may be one of many. There's the, you know, the day-to-day, you know, who mm -hmm. might be their first go round and is more directly connected. And then there's that like new, no experience manager. And it's just like relationship and trust and faith. And knowing you were that, I appreciated like day one, you would have no problem saying like, let me go yeah. find out. But then more importantly, you would go find out. You would send a follow-up email to text or you would like, and you weren't afraid to fail, which I think is a key right. ingredient to success that so many people miss out on. Like, just try it. Just see. Like you'll be like, I don't know. Let's let's give it a shot. And some things work, and some things don't. But mm -hmm. you you're almost always remembered for the things that work, mm -hmm. and not the things that don't. I think you know. Looking back now, for me, I I realize like all of my missteps and all of my mishaps. When people meet me, they don't bring that up. They bring up the the few things that I did well. And it's like, if you knew how many times I messed up before that right. happened, you would you would understand. Like, right. So I I, I applaud you for that. But then I also like. <laughs> the fact that you mentioned all those names because it always boils down to relationships. And, and so if you can, if you don't put in the application for the internship, if you don't mm -hmm. apply for the job, if you don't take that first step, it never happens. And so if you're listening to this, just like do that first. And then when you're there, go all out and not like make an ass of yourself trying to prove, you know, the most, mm -hmm. but just like go all out and like try and people will help you. And then always understand, which is, I think a, a column or yeah. a principle for 24 seven is no one knows everything. I say that even though we're an artist education platform, like we are here to learn as much from you as you from us, because like we're literally figuring it out together. Right. Even as like 
I could explain publishing in my sleep, but I've come to learn like mm. different people take information different, like different ways. So like I've had to learn like to listen to how people learn so I can better explain something to you. So it's like, if I don't learn that and I just put out, this is how I learn publishing. So I'll share it with you. Right. Most people don't learn how I've learned. I've come to understand that. So like, it's something that like I appreciate in you as well, where you've said like, yo, like everyone doesn't know what they're doing. And like that, you know, Davina V's big thing is like, yo, if nobody knows, then everybody knows. Right. Or if everybody knows and nobody knows. So no matter how you look at it, just do it because like we're, we're parents now. Right. So it's like, I'm, I'm a parent of a child for the first time. It's my first. And so who do I go to, to figure out like how to be a great parent? Are you good? All right. Welcome back. And sorry for the technical difficulties in this digital podcasting world of 24 seven artists. One day we will have <laughs> our own physical studio. We will be in the same place. We'll be flying you out. Imagine that first class. Ooh, yes. Put you in a nice hotel. <laughs> all that. You know, we, we speaking it out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So, you know, as, as we're getting closer to wrapping, one of the things I definitely want to speak to you about is like success, right? You are, to me, super successful just because like at your age, I didn't have 85% of what you have figured out or accomplished. Um, but like, I'd like for you to speak about like success and, and kind of like the importance of it and then like how you and the artist define it and then how you find that balance between your success first, the artist success you're either a and for or managing. Right. Um, I mean, it's like one of my favorite things to talk about recently, I think, <laughs> because um, it is, it's the motivator. It's like the driving force behind a lot of people's careers. And, you know, this idea of six, I mean, lives, not even like, like whole lives is this, you know, you want to be successful, you want to make it to some degree, you want to be comfortable, you want whatever that, like, blue sky looks like for you. Um, And I think it's my favorite thing to talk about recently, especially in the context of music. um, Because I find that my blue sky looks completely different. Mm. Um, And not in a way that's like, oh, like, I'm so different. And like, you know, I'm above success. (laughs) Like, it's not that at all. Because I think, you know, I'm definitely... Um, I, I definitely have been influenced by, you know, what the world deems successful. So I'm not even going to count myself as like, yeah, not the, I, that I can't be impressed by that. But um, I think a lot of my conversations have been kind of challenging what success is, what success looks like. Um, I think for me personally, success is like being able to be in control of my time more than it is about like having a billboard feature or uh going double platinum on a record that I like I really not that I don't care but I don't care (laughs) like I I think by virtue of taking the right steps and and moving in a way that's um just sound and and puts people first and kind of is just honest and true to who you are and who to who and to who you are working with um i think by virtue those like i guess more traditional markers of success will come to be um i don't think that anyone can work so hard day and night and you know obviously there are circumstances that prevent it in some situations but i think like if you are really devoted to what you do and what you care about elements of whatever is deemed successful will kind of fall your way. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it's like my ideal life is being in control of my time, being able to travel the world, being able to like live on a farm and create films and work with artists that I'm really inspired by. And like, so that is success for me. That doesn't necessarily mean I need to make a million dollars it doesn't mean i i need to be an exec or a label owner or ceo like i those are not the things that motivate me and i think because of that even with artists that i work with i 
stay away from defining success as like whether it be streaming value or charts and da da da. And I think I'm able to like code switch in a way because obviously within the label system, these things are important mm-hmm. um, for generating revenue for, you know, global awareness and all these things. And I, and I'm not knocking them as like things that are bad. I just think that our life is taught to revolve around things that really don't bring any substance to us. Um, and I always give this example. So there's like maybe a year or two ago, I forget how I came acro- across her music, but there's this artist named um, Mariam Hassan, who's from, you know, Northern Africa. Um, she, the community she was a part of is called Sahrawi, um, which I don't, I'm, need to do my research, but I'm not sure what that, like where that is geographically. Um, present day but she was a refugee her brothers were you know killed in the war and um, she used her music as a means to bring her community within these like refugee camps together and she is an incredible vocalist like I have no idea what she's saying in any of her songs but like it was music that made me feel and I remember I heard this music and it was like this blend of um Arabic with this like jazzy undertone and it was so lovely and I became fully obsessed I tracked down um who distributed she's late now so I tracked down who distributed her music um in Spain and I reached out and I was like yo can I get a vinyl can I get a cd like I'm very I'm a collector when it comes to that so I like that tangible thing and um after like a few months they finally responded and they're like oh yeah like you know, we had these CDs, so they shipped them out from Spain, and it was, like, this signed CD from... Anyways, I say all this to say, like, her music, she's by no means a household name, but her music impacted her community and is impacting people to this day. Um, I learned a lot about her as an artist, about her community. Um, It opened my eyes. Again, this is, like, going back to music as a discovery tool opened my eyes to another part of the world that I may not really get to interact with in real life. Hopefully I do, but um, who's to say that her impact is not more or not as valuable or as important than a Bob Marley, who was a household name, who has like very clearly, whether it be from a cultural perspective, from a lyrical perspective with reggae, with the genre, like, Obviously, we can all agree that Bob Marley was extremely impactful and his um, message is something that still resonates today. And Bob Marley is my favorite artist, so like, I'm not even comparing the two. And I think, again, there's no need to compare. But it is just acknowledging that what Mariam Hassan was doing for a community is success. And what Bob Marley has done for this world is also success. And they did not like one did not have a more fulfilling life than the other one is nor not more valuable than another and i think that's the easiest way for me to kind of that's an image i always go back to when it comes to how i'm deciding defining success for my career how i'm speaking about success when it with my friends with other creatives with artists i think you know there's this obsession with wanting to blow and wanting to be on charts and wanting to be on world stages and I completely um get wanting to your your music to travel as far as it can go but if it doesn't it doesn't mean you failed it doesn't mean it's not success like everyone has their own path so long as you're doing everything that you can and you are operating from a place of honesty and truth and authenticity that you will have a level of success if you decide to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. if you decide to to open your eyes to the fact that um you know it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean like because even when you get to those things you sell out madison square garden you do the o2 you do all the big world stages everyone knows your name what then is success at that level like because how many people are really satisfied once they have like that's just human nature so success is a moving target and so it's like if you become fixated on a moving target then 
you have tunnel vision that blocks out this very beautiful life that we were privileged to live. Um, and so not to be like super, like you, you gotta I'm not trying talk. to be, you, you gotta do the yeah, TED no. talk. I'm, I'm, I'm booking you. <laughs> I, I, it's just, and it's something I have to remind myself of. It's not even like, it's an active practice to think that way. And I'm not saying it's the right way to think or like, it's, you know, whatever. If you, if you still want to South O2, it's bad. It, I get it. I completely get it. But I think there's like a level of contentment and, um, I think it also drills back to purpose. It's like, okay, well, why do you want to sell out the O2 or Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden? Or why do you want to be a billboard number one? Is it for the accolade? Is it because your validation is coming from people? Mm-hmm. Or is it because, you know, you want your message to reach everybody far and few between? And I think it's, it's yeah, it comes back to like you really being honest with yourself in that question. For me, it's like, well, why do I want, like, why do I want the things I want? Like, is it because someone told me that this is what will look good, what will sound good, what will feel good? Or is it because this is what, like, I'm drawn to naturally? I'm drawn to in spirit, but, all, you know, like, so I think, yeah, it's it's a balance. Um, and it is, yeah, it's just an active practice, I guess, at, at the end of the day. But I, I love talking about success and understanding also like what other people think is really valuable and fruitful and additive to their lives. Because, you know, we can have a completely different definition. And again, it's fine. Like no one's definition is better than another. I think it's just like making sure that you are aware of the fact that life is a lot bigger than how we tend to define it. Yeah. So it's a lot bigger and it's, it's always immediate. So I I fell victim early in, in my career and multiple careers of like the accolades. And then I was blessed enough and fortunate enough to reach almost every accolade, if not every accolade I've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I never felt more fulfilled on the other side of the accolade. So like whether it's the Emmy that was in our studio, the Grammy or the, the best of, or the, the billboard or the, like there's nothing that we said we wanted to do that we did. It was like, man, now we've made it. It almost just opens the next, like, okay, now that's the next thing. And then those times pass and the people pass and, and, and life changes. And you realize that like you, you missed appreciating the actual success, which was like the relationships and the people in your life and how you made each other feel. And so, and and this chapter of my life and, and what Davina and I've done and, and I see it in like how our vision boards have changed is like, I can only be successful today. I, I can't change what happened yesterday. And I for damn sure have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But like right. today, if I can like get out of bed and like see my kids off to school, like that's a successful moment. Like mm. that's something that's like designed for me because they're my kids. And like, I know what makes their day. If I like just get up and say, hey, have a great day at school. And if I'm right. not in the country, if I can call and make sure like they hear my voice and like, that's a successful day. If I can tell my wife I love her and like just give her a kiss and let her know like, yo, I've got you, that's a successful yeah. day. If I can answer the phone when my parents call, that's a successful day because yeah. like those things aren't going to be forever. Like my kids aren't always going to be in a house and, and mm-hmm. people change and people leave. And like, so I realized like I value that a thousand times more than the other things that I used to value. Like we've started 24 seven artists and like we'll put out content now, put out assets that get like, 13 plates and I'll have like people like oh man like you know don't you want to boost it don't you want to make it look bigger and I'm like nah because like we've had I've had content hit a million people I know like it doesn't change as long as the 13 people who press play love it I'm good and what I've learned is like it goes from 13 to 1300 before you know it and it's always new to somebody else we'll put this out and whether 100 people listen to it or 100,000 people as long as one person is like, man, like Sarah really gave me like, a, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take that leap of faith. or I'm going to apply for that job. You don't even know if like the person that watches this becomes like the next big thing on right. the executive or the artist side. And like you said, your impact is, is yet to be determined. So I don't care if a million people watch this. I just hope it reaches people with the intent of like, man, like I'm going to go do it. That's what success is for me. And then what I've learned right. is when you focus on that and just making the most of it every day, it compounds, it builds. So then when you turn around and look, if you just focus on like being 
great every day and, and like in achieving what success is real success for you mm-hmm. that when you look back, you'll see the accolades and all those things. Like you said, you may not want the million, but I know you'll be a millionaire. <laughs> you may not want the write ups, but you're getting them anyways. I've seen your name in, in billboard and like other magazines. Like you may not want the, the biggest albums, but Thames is one of the biggest artists in the world. But it's because I've seen like, especially with you over the last few years, like you've shifted this thought of like, Yo, I'm just trying to make the most of this. Like, I'm in LA right, right now. I'm gonna enjoy LA. And when I'm in Lagos, I'm gonna enjoy Lagos. When I'm in the UK, I'm gonna enjoy UK. You're you're all over the map. Even even in booking this interview, I was like, what time zone are we booking this for? <laughs> um, but like, if I could go back and tell you five years ago that 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 would be your reality, you'd probably be like, yeah, right, you like, yeah. I'll be I'll be not even just bi coastal. I'll be like multi continent, living, traveling, <laughs> hustling, working, and I'd be like, yeah, like. I came back from the future and that's, that's what you're doing. So I hope someone listens to your message and and like really appreciates it because you know, we drive artists, we deal with multiple crazy, like, cause that's my shit on the calls. I'm never worried about like the numbers, the colors, the lines. I'm I'm like, yo, what, what are we doing it for? Why are we doing it? I literally just dropped a video Mm -hmm. today called name. You like, what's your why? If you don't know that, Mm -hmm. then whether we get the biggest slot, whether we get the biggest headlining feat, whether we get the, the biggest record deal, it, it almost becomes bitter afterwards because once you realize that's not it, it, it mm-hmm. you, you almost resent that success. But if you can be like, right. yo, I just want to make music with really dope people and like share it with people I love and have people like love it like I love it or like lo- and have it impact them in a way that makes them feel something. If that's mm-hmm. what you want to do, you could do that today. You don't need the record right. deal. You don't need the look. You don't need the playlist. So I, I hope someone takes that because I preach it, but coming from someone much more successful than me, like you would, it should, uh, it should resonate a little more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so as we get to the end of, of this episode, and I really appreciate your time. As I told you before we recorded, this is ongoing. So like, this is a part of, we have combos all the time, just you and I, but like we will check in. And, and my hope is that like by the 10th time you've done this conversation, that the people following your journey will see your growth and see like Mm. your evolution and see that it's okay. Like what she said in episode one and episode nine is very different. Like I want that to be the case. Cause like we can't be the same person and grow. Um, but with that said, the, the question I ask all of the, the guests is if you could go back and give your younger. So this is pre rock nation, Sarah, I want you Mm -hmm. to go to that person. If you could okay. go back and give advice to pre-Rock Nation Sarah, what would you say? What advice would you give to to your younger self before starting out? Um, it sounds very cliche, but it's something very uh, relevant to me even now. I think I would tell my younger self to face my fears head on. Um, I think that is why it's a decision I made last year just last year to do um I think at the time pre-rock nation Sarah I could find every excuse as to why I can't go out to New York why I can't do this why I can't move back from LA why I you know can't be successful in the music industry I don't know anyone I've never done this before I don't know anything there's no music programs at my school like I could find any trust me any excuse to account for why i couldn't do what blank whatever it was um and i think i was like extremely consumed by what people thought of me i think i was i was not confident i was not a confident person at all people always told me i like read confidently but it was like what are you saying? Like, what are you seeing? <laughs> just like, I would be so confused. I'm like, I don't understand how that's your conclusion. Um, and I, and because I didn't have that confidence and that's like self-assured nature, um, I became very malleable to my environment and to the people around me. And, and my validation didn't come from myself or from God or from things that I really cared about, but it came from my peers and, you know, if you put your validation in the people that are around you, that that's just like, what is that? That's, that's sand. That is just like crumbling sand. That is not substantive at all. I don't even know that's a word. Um, substantial. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, so I would say myself to myself, I would face that to I should face my fears head on mm. because I think when fears become, um, when you get to the other side and you and you realize like it, there really wasn't that much to be scared of, and even if there was, you are a better person now on the other side of it, and you've learned more and you've taken something with you from that experience, you realize that. I mean, I think that's what I kind of, that kind of contributes to my confidence now is like being able to decide very decisively, this is something I'm scared of that is very intimidating um, and I'm going to do it because this looming cloud of fear doesn't serve me in any way. Mm. It doesn't serve the, the my story, the, the community that I'm a part of, the people that I care about. If I'm held back from this fear, um, it's not only taking away from myself, but from everything that I love. Um, and I think, yeah, that last year is kind of when I made that decision for myself because I was kind of fed up with just being restrained by things that, you know, my, I have a very overactive mind. I will think of every scenario. I will, you know, think of anything that could go wrong. And I've been intentional about trying to like change that thought pattern, but it started with, this scares you do it Mm. this is intimidating do it Mm. um and a lot of the things that really held me back personally and professionally um kind of have just dissolved and i was just like wow this really took up so much space in my life for so many years and i don't think people realize how attached you get to your story or your fears or your like that becomes a part of your identity um, and I didn't want to be defined by the things that I was scared of anymore. And so in making that decision, as life would have it, it was the toughest year of my life. Like it wasn't just, yes, I faced my fears and that was tough, but it was just then real life also just slapped me in the face as well. Um, and I lost people and I, I um, yeah, I did just really had to go through some very heavy times in the midst of also facing those fears so it was just like chaos (laughs) yes last year was absolute chaos but on the other side of it and still kind of I mean it's an ongoing thing like Mm -hmm. you still kind of go through it it I feel so much closer to being myself in like my true form and again it's like it's not this destination that i think i'm gonna reach Mm -hmm. it's this ongoing thing so long as i'm always getting closer then you know i'm i'm happy with that but yeah yeah, if i i would i not that i wish i faced my fears earlier i like had i decided to take them head on because i think however things pan out is you know how it's meant to and i think my timing is always going to be the worst in relationship to divine timing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I don't, I'm glad that my younger self did life the way she did. Yeah. But if there was any advice I would give, it was to, yeah, your fears are not as scary on the other side. That is, that is great advice. And I, I pray at least one person follows that. Um, you you got that a lot quicker than I did. I didn't get that till I was in my late thirties, um, and and it took like life slapped me in the face to kind of say, all right, like you 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 the thing you feared the most is now starting to happen, and like you're on mm-hmm. the other side of it, and like still here, and you still got a lot to be right. thankful for. So like, what happens right. if you just like start running through those those brick walls, and then you realize like you put the walls up. They don't even exist. Like Mm -hmm. people don't think as much about you as you think. And people who do really don't. And people who do don't like do. So it's like, Mm -hmm. there's no like right or wrong way. You just kind of learn. And, and, and you're absolutely right on the other side of fear. There's always like a moment of like, damn, like, okay, I've learned something. And, and, Mm -hmm. and when you learn something, you become a little better and you can apply it and share it with others, which is why we're here. So thank you for that 
those amazing words and this this amazing hour. I apologize again for the technical difficulties. I look forward <laughs> to I'm putting it out there now. So when we do the episode where we fly you out first class and put you in the hotel, <laughs> I will pull this clip up to say, remember, I told you that we will fly you. Mm. That's success for me right Love now. Is I just want the day where I'm like, hey, go ahead and book Sarah for that uh, convo. Uh, but until then, obviously, we will com- continue to communicate here on WhatsApp. Thank yeah. God, because you're all mm-hmm. over the world. And um, and I appreciate you being on the 24-7 Artist Podcast, Love. No, thank you. I'm very glad we did this conversation. And I'm very glad to see all this come to fruition as well for you yeah. guys. Like, I remember when this was just an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see it all come together is very inspiring. So this is it makes me want to have a radio show. Like, this, this is, is literally this me setup, facing like, my fear. Like, me looking at me yeah, on the camera. Yeah. You already, like, I hate this. So, like... It took 30-something <laughs> years for me to get on camera. Um, yeah. And then I, I get on, and the first thing you say is, you have a great radio voice. And I'm like, what? Like, I mean, I could have been a radio DJ in college. Like, that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And I didn't even try out. I didn't even, like, do it. Because I was like, nobody wants to hear me talk. I hate my voice. So. <laughs> no. All right. Face that fear. I I'm love that. I'm facing it in real time. All right, Slow. Thank you very much. Or Sarah, sorry. Um, slow is her nickname. Slow, so. Uh, and we will be back soon with another slow episode with her in the studio in our really cool studio i'm envisioning it put it out there pray pray it's happening (laughs) thank you sarah thanks you do all right